Welcome, everybody, to McKinsey on Insurance. This podcast features different experts discussing trends, disruptions, and strategies that are reshaping the insurance industry as we know it today. I'm Pradeep Bhatia, the senior partner in Chicago, and I'll be hosting today's conversation with my colleagues on how insurers can more strategically use external vendors, particularly as we emerge from the COVID-19 pandemic, which has significantly altered the sourcing landscape. I'm pleased to welcome two of my McKinsey expert colleagues to shed light on this topic. Indy Banerjee is a partner out of our Bangalore office and has extensive experience working with service and IT providers globally. Ulrika Fugel-Gesang is a senior expert in our Hamburg office. She focuses on productivity transformation and technology modernization and also leads Insurance 360, McKinsey's global insurance benchmarking capability. Ulrika will offer an expert take on the insurance industry specifically, while Indy will offer insights into the broader evolution and state of external service provision across industries. With that, let's get started. Ulrike, maybe I'll get you going on the first question. As we're coming out of this pandemic, every insurance carrier globally is rethinking, reassessing their supply chain. As you see and reflect on your experience with clients, what are you seeing? Thanks, Pradeep. Indeed, we are seeing quite a big journey over the past year. So when we all remember what happened last year and take ourselves back in the shoes of the industry in early 2020, we really saw a very big shift happening with a strong focus on risk. All of a sudden, actually, insurers were realizing that some of their global supply chains, uh, global collaboration models didn't work out anymore. And we initially saw a very strong focus on risk, where many insurers actually decided to basically take back some of the things they had offshore previously in particular things very business critical. However, all of that started to turn at the end of last year when insurers became much more um, confident in being able to manage things remotely. Everybody was starting to get used at working from home, be it um, anywhere in the, in the big leading cities or even remotely from individual locations. And with that as the backdrop, insurers realize that if you can do things remotely, you might as well reconsider potential sourcing options, be it nearshoring and offshoring. So there we saw, saw a very, very big shift. And on top of that, we actually see a very much increased cost consciousness because of the pandemic, because of the uncertainty of how premiums are developing in many areas. We see insurers refocusing on cost and take that together, the new opportunity to potentially nearshore or offshore things, plus a very strong focus on cost has made many insurers rethink their supply chain and rethink the way they collaborate with service providers. And Ulrike, are you seeing that play out both across small, medium and large carriers and across PNC and life both? Or are there specific segments where you're seeing more more of this uh, rethink and refocus? I'm seeing this happening both in PNC and life. Um, and for me, the starting point is very different. When we look at the very large insurance players, they typically already have uh, quite an extensive set of service providers they work with. And they are more rethinking along the lines of potentially having a more distributed operating model, having multiple locations to reduce individual location risk, and potentially to think more strategically about where are real partnerships happening versus what do you want to outsource tactically. While many of the smaller carriers actually only start on the journey, and for them, it's more often also a cost and capability game. 
Gotcha, gotcha. And Indy, so that's a bit on the on the demand side. What are we seeing on the supply side? What do you do when people couldn't reach someone at a call center? Thanks, Pradeep. Uh, that's actually a very interesting question. Um, I would almost break this up into two horizons. I think right in the beginning, driven by COVID, we initially saw a huge dis- disruption of the supply chain. Uh, we actually saw, um, especially in, in places like Philippines, we saw uh, the voice network uh, disrupted very significantly. And as Unrique said, it, it actually led to people bringing back critical calls uh, onshore. Uh, but out of that, we saw two things emerge. One, we saw providers very, very significantly, in fact, even I would say heroically, step up their their footprint from a work from home uh, and, and literally enable tens of thousands of people to be able to take contacts uh, working from home, which across a 12-month period, you see stabilize quite significantly. Uh, on the client side, what we started seeing was two themes. One, we saw folks actually have a lot more patience with the servicing requests. Uh, The amount of time that people were willing to wait to have their queries resolved, uh, the amount of time they were willing to actually explain things to people who were on the calls for the first time uh, spiked very, very significantly. The second was the pivot to digital. And if I look at what the lasting impact of that, of the pandemic will be, it'll really be the move to digital. We saw digital contact spike anywhere between 2 to 5x, depending on which cohort you're talking about. Uh, when As people move to chat, to self-serve, etc. And we see a very significant amount of it actually move forward and become the new normal. And indeed, as these supply chains got over the years a bit uh, disaggregated, right? So you've got, you know, carriers sometimes have their own captive facilities in some of these places providing services. In other cases, they had outsourced relationships uh, to with, with redundancies and all. Are you seeing patterns emerge coming out of this lesson where uh, either people are re-aggregating it and bringing it back completely uh, or going more towards captive or more sourced relationships. Any any lessons you're seeing already as 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 we sit here? Again, uh, Pradeep, I think what we're seeing is is three clear themes emerge. First is people revisiting their footprint. Um, in the past, the way footprints have emerged across a decade has been organic. It's happened in bits and bursts. Uh, so so there seems to be strategy in hindsight. Uh, but for the first time, people are actually going back and, and really evaluating how, for example, resilient that footprint is with a high bar. Resilience used to be providing 25% business continuity for seats. We have just discovered that resilience is 100% within 48 hours. Uh, so the first is, is actually reevaluating their entire network. Uh, the second is, is uh, the pandemic has allowed people to test out what works and what doesn't. Uh, and really challenge the urban myths. Uh, one of the urban myths around that, Pradeep, is, is work from home and what people are willing to do around it. And there you have two ends of the spectrum, uh, even as we hear folks uh, come in on Wall Street and talk about uh, about uh, both their partners as well as their own in-house footprint uh, actually returning to work from office. At the other end, you have folks like Nationwide who've actually said, their entire footprint can actually work remote. So you're going to see a, a, a big theme emerge out there. Uh, and within that, what folks have discovered is the more closely you work with your partners, 
recovery and servicing quality actually improves. That is the big reason why global capability centers actually recovered very quickly early on, because you didn't have to walk through a five-step process to actually give people access. And so that's something that we're going to see a lot more of, where people are going to integrate much more closely with their, with their providers. Uh, the third is the right choices which is using, figuring out where you want to use partners or providers, where they have resilience, flexibility, et cetera, now that it has been tested. And what will you use your global capability footprints for? And for most of the clients that I work with, what we're tending to see on the, on the uh, in-house side, people are actually moving into higher-end work, more end-to-end -end ownership that they are beginning to shift into, the, uh, into, the, uh, into their own owned network. And on the partner side, more towards managed services, more towards things that you can actually automate uh, and leverage the partner capability. So these are clear themes that we are beginning to see emerge from, from the pandemic. Gotcha, gotcha. So you're saying resilience, um, a tighter working relationship um, across, the, across, the partner, across the partners in the supply chain uh, and uh, kind of almost like uh, being completely prepared and tightly integrated. Um, Ulrika, is that you know? Uh, it's hard to ignore uh, the geopolitics in play as you think about this question, right? Um, and is it is it primarily a North America issue? Is it a North America Europe uh, carrier uh, concern, or or is it more global? I'd welcome uh, your thoughts on that, Ulrika, and then Indy, I'd, I'll come back to you on the supply side on this thing. Indeed, we see a consideration of which are the areas you actually would want to, to source into. So, and, and I would say, in general, what we found in our survey on insurance sourcing last year was that European insurers are a bit more conservative regarding making the full leap towards offshore, large-scale, very comprehensive package sourcing. So, what we see in Europe is, on the one hand side, a strong tendency to revisit the model and an increased openness to actually work together with partners in a broader sense. But at the same time, we see smaller steps where um, insurers consider nearshoring in typically in Eastern or Central Europe, um, sometimes in North Africa, and continuing the full move towards offshoring in Asia as a second step. And in that sense, this continues a little bit the, the natural, uh, let's say, uh, inclination for European insurers to take things a little bit more slowly. Um, but apart from that, I would say the geopolitical aspects haven't really carried through to that large extent. I would expect the situation is a bit different in, in the Americas, Indy. Indy, uh, what's your view from the supply side? Are you seeing patterns globally? So, Pradeep, I think the interesting part is that in the early days, exactly as you were hearing, uh, the expectation of disruption because of geopolitical issues was higher than what we actually saw play out. Simply put, we didn't see an extensive repatriation uh, happen. And that's one of the things that in the first 90 days, a lot of people were, were concerned around, uh, around seeing. If anything, we are actually seeing a very significant move towards now a distributed de-risk network. Uh, and it's reflected in the fact that most providers that we see are actually now sitting on, on demand pipelines, which are perhaps at a decade high as folks realize that just pulling in all your footprint into few concentrated sites onshore is not a de-risking strategy. In fact, if anything, it actually increases the risk of delivery. So we're actually seeing from the client side, we're actually seeing a more distributed piece. 
On the provider side, we are also seeing a similar approach where people are actually realizing that versus very, very large uh, offshore centers, having a more distributed footprint in two ways. One, build footprints that are uh, that are both onshore and nearshore, especially if you're servicing the European footprint, uh, but also starting to build in remote working as an intrinsic part of your capability uh, is, is something that the providers are focused on. And the starting position, of course, Pradeep, is right now, as we talk, most providers are still having anywhere between 95 to 98% of the staff working remote. So the real question is, what are clients looking for? And where will this set the dial to? And are there like uh, security-related concerns when you combine the work, remote work with in-person work and a global distributed network? Uh, is there is there any concern that the risk might get actually amplified versus diminished? For sure, Pradeep. I think keeping security in mind, um, information security, uh, personal security, etc., it's going to be critical. I think, however, the way I would frame it is that this is not unique to global locations. This working remote and figuring out what the security implications are is true of any country that you allow work from. Uh, folks are actually creating a, a new set of frameworks on how you uh, capture that risk, how you test for it, and how you audit it. And we are seeing the first of that begin to come in in the contracts that people are writing in with the service providers, but equally for their own locations. Uh, the second is, uh, what has been the real experience? As of right now, uh, there haven't been very significant data breaches that, that one has heard of. In fact, the experience has been reasonably good, uh, but it does create a risk. And there, Pradeep, therefore, as we see the future play out, we're going to see a balanced hybrid footprint. Simply put, it means that there will be some roles that are seen as high risk. Over time, as COVID recedes and folks return to work, those roles will be either entirely office-based or majority, four days out of five based out of the office. Uh, and at the other end of the spectrum, you are going to see roles that people realize, both from a risk as well as productivity and experience perspective, can be done remote. And you will see some of those roles having three, four, five days working remote. So it's going to be a balanced mix. And most clients that we worked through are actually now looking at individual job cohorts and figuring what sits where. And Ulrika, in some ways, from a, from a, when you look at uh, from an insurance carrier's perspective, it's been a bit of the perfect storm, right? You had the pandemic, you had supply chains that got disrupted. You've got work from home. You've now got, on top of that, the nationalism and the cybersecurity-related concerns, uh, the geopolitics. <clears throat> what's what's your sense on how carriers are thinking about it? Are, 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 are folks retreating and saying, boy, let's just bring all this back and forget all this global sourcing and stuff? Or are people saying it's an opportunity to maybe rethink and reinvent, as India is saying? Absolutely. And so... Um, as you say, I think in the end, um, this has been a bit of a shake-up, which also makes insurers much more aware of potential opportunities. Now, when we actually started to look into insurance sourcing in the last year, one of the motivations uh, we did that, because what I found on my benchmarking is actually that at an industry level, we don't see evidence for sourcing leading to lower costs. And that I found extremely puzzling. All of my insurance clients, when they do large um, sourcing or um, collaboration, um, new engagements, one of the core elements would always to be reduced costs. 
And we didn't really find evidence for that. So clearly something was amiss in the way insurers collaborate with the service providers. And when we start looking into that, uh, we actually found, we found many great examples of substantial value kept, but we also found a lot of, let's say, money still lying on the table. And in the end, the pandemic has served a little bit as a, as a wake-up call or also as an opportunity creator, which opens up new discussions that might not have been possible this way before. And what we see really moving is, um, on the one hand side, a clear consolidation and a focus on strategic collaborations. So five years ago, sourcing was much more around rate card based um, labor cost advantages, while what we, uh, where we see things moving currently is much more towards a closer collaboration, which in some cases even moves towards a full partnership or joint venture. And we think of, when we think about the role technology is playing for insurers, I think it's also natural development because so many of the new era business models are actually heavily dependent on technology. And that's a skill many insurers don't even have. So it's really the mixture of lower costs that can be provided um, through some of the global service partners, but also access to advanced skills in particular around digital and AI, which are very, very attractive for insurers and open up very new avenues. So in that sense, um, the, the pandemic and all the shake-up in the last year has definitely uh, caused insurers to rethink sourcing and in some ways also open new ways for a better collaboration. So Rika, that's a very important point. You're saying it's actually, uh, I think uh, it's a profound point, which says it's not really the cost thing that's actually played out, but it's an opportunity to think strategically more broadly about what you need, capabilities, skills, um, uh, resilience, etc., uh, versus just thinking of it as a way to uh, to, to to get some efficiencies, uh, is, is that is that what I'm hearing you say? Exactly. So, so we asked insurers, what are your core motivations for actually going into service, uh, collaborating with service providers and vendors? And out came always a dual objective. On the one hand side, clearly cost related. And then there are some areas where cost is clearly in focus, let's say infrastructure. Um, but there are other areas where capabilities are clearly the one core factor insurers are missing. This could be in digital transformations or, or in any new business model era, um, or also in uh, areas where you expect a resource needs that is relatively short-lived for, let's say, one or two years only. And so this combination really is critical to, to make things work for insurers. You know, it's a, if you were to kind of maybe even just pull back and you say, if I were to offer uh, one or two pieces of advice uh, that, that reflect the, some of the insights and conversations you're seeing, what, what might it be if you were to just uh, advise a CEO or, or a COO or, or a leader of any insurance company uh, what might be two big lessons you might say they should focus on? The one thing really would be take this opportunity to step back and think through what do you want to achieve in the collaboration with your service providers. So really review your sourcing strategy and look at this from a strategic angle, not just day-to-day -day, here and there, um, a little bit stepwise improvement, but rather think around this holistically and be courageous enough to also think about a real shift uh, in the operating model. I think this is the one piece of advice. Um, and the other piece of advice is a little bit related, is really think big, because many of the new business models out there require a completely different model of collaboration with service providers. And just let me add one point to that. What we also realized in our conversations with both insurers and service providers is that to really get this going in a successful way, you also need to have a couple of prerequisites in place. 
So at an insurer's angles, you actually need to have a sourcing department that is able to develop these collaborations, that is able to ensure a color, um, an alignment of incentives to define the right contracts, KPIs, and to operationally measure them. So you need to also be able to find out throughout the um, course of the contract if some of the SLAs are actually not met. So you need to have very strong steering and vendor management capabilities. And on the flip side, also for the service providers, we actually heard from many, yes, we are seeing that insurers would like us to have more outcome-based contracts, but actually we are not prepared to do that because um, this requires a very different way of risk calculation, of price calculation, where we don't have that experience we need to. So to prepare for this new era of, of collaboration, um, both sides, insurers and service providers need really also to invest in the capabilities to, to manage the collaboration. Excellent, excellent. And Indy, the same question to you. If you were to offer one or two pieces of headline advice to leaders of insurance companies on how to take advantage and 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 take incorporate the lessons learned from this uh, from this pandemic related uh, supply chain issues, what would those be? I think two, Pradeep. Uh, one is revisit the north star of sourcing versus the old footprint, which has been in bits and bytes. This is the opportunity now to step back and, and figure what you're solving for at scale. Uh, customer experience, cost resilience, talent, next generation delivery, all five of them. What will your footprint look like? And make deliberate choices with regard to what's global shore versus near versus onshore, what is distributed versus not. Really create what we call as the distributed hybrid operating model. Uh, the second is it's the pandemic or the post-pandemic period will really unlock partnership. Uh, but this will require uh, an end-to-end view both from the client as well as the providers. Uh, the ability to be able to estimate risk uh, from, from the provider side, uh, the ability to be able to, uh, to step up the solutions, uh, not just uh, front-end digital, uh, but end-to-end capability. And from the client side, the willingness to be able to look at uh, an end-to-end process and and source for it and build your sourcing capabilities around it versus the old world of of TNM or transaction-based pricing. Unlocked in that way, it can be a huge opportunity, Pradeep, both because we actually see uh, the the clients under tremendous pressure uh, to innovate in the marketplace and on the other hand, we are seeing providers really thirsty for, for next-gen partnerships, but also sitting on the ability to, to innovate. Uh, most of the large providers are sitting on a billion to $2 billion of cash, which they are willing to bring in uh, to, to transactionals or transformational partnerships. And figuring the right mix for it, I think, is the real opportunity. What an exciting discussion and a couple of uh, wonderful provocations for uh, both leaders of insurance companies as well as the suppliers to these industries from a sourcing perspective. Uh, let me thank you both, Indy and Ulrika. The value at stake is clearly already large, but getting actually probably bigger if done strategically. And for many insurers, uh, I, I gather you believe it's still untapped. Uh, But it's also clear that in the wake of this pandemic and the disruptions that have happened, the landscape has shifted significantly and players and carriers and suppliers are all looking at their options through a new lens. You've given us a good framework to actually help them think about this. And to our listeners, I hope you've found the discussion enjoyable and informative. 
I encourage you to subscribe to McKinsey on Insurance wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher. On behalf of myself and my colleagues, Indian Ulrika, thank you very much for listening. Over and out. <laughs>